Hey, everybody. So excited that we're finally doing this, like, two consecutive, like, not consecutive, but twice in the same week. Like we always plan to. I'm proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Okay, we're just going to jump right into it today because we have a lot yes. to talk about. Our disclaimer, though. Oh, yes. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are entirely our own and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University with which it affiliates. Solid. Okay. Let's get straight to it. Yeah. So this book is really good and we're really like having a good time reading it. Even though we're only reading, we've only read through chapters. Yeah. We're, we're covering the next two chapters in the book today. Right. So for those of you, do you want to give like a summary of chapter one just like super quick? Sure. Those... Um, so chapter one, we're introduced to our Pleasure. main character. Her name is Linda. How would you pronounce her last name? Wilhelm? Sure. Wilhelm? Something like that. Linda, she's the wife of a bishop. Um, the bishop's name is Kurt. And early in the morning, they're awakened by the sound of a doorbell. A man from their ward named Jared um, has arrived with his young daughter, Kelly, announcing that his wife, Carrie, has left them. Um, Just kind of like straight up abandoned the family. Uh, We get a little insight into Linda's family. She has five sons, only one of which is living at home. Um, And then we kind of sense that there's some underlying tension um between carrie and jared and the reason carrie left linda's suspicious about the situation and is worried about kelly their daughter what's going to happen now that her mom is out of the picture excellent all right so now we're starting on chapter two um which starts with a like they're prepping Linda is helping another woman in the ward who's the Relief Society president mm-hmm. prep for the Relief Society president's daughter's wedding. Yeah. Which isn't being held in the temple. It's being, being held, held in, in the, the culture church. hall. Yeah, culture hall. And oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. Do you want to talk just about like Mormon weddings in general? Because I think like there's a lot of stuff, like start with that as our theme. Oh, And sure. I think, because that carries through, I feel like, a lot of this chapter. Um. Yeah. I mean... Obviously, like, the goal of everyone in church is to get married in the temple so they can be sealed for time and all eternity. Which I think is a noble goal. So I think that's a good thing to strive towards. That is what I would like. I like to be married in the temple. But. However. First and foremost, I would like to be married to someone who loves me Mm -hmm. and who treats me with with respect. Because I was recently reading an article on feminist Mormon housewives. I don't love all of their stuff, but I was reading their collection of Chaco I can't pronounce her last name she was a Japanese member of the Relief Society presidency Um, I had a friend who was just talking to me about her she is fabulous I like I'll put the link on our blog for things for you to read she actually married um, a non-member and he ended up converting to the church later Um, but she said like she it took a lot of questioning for her to decide like you know this man is so good for me he is a good Christian he loves God He's not a member of the church, but, like, we work really well together. And so she was from Hawaii, and this was at a time where there wasn't a lot of members. And so she was like, if I want to get married and have children, like, I want to do, then I'm going to have to look outside the church. And so she felt prompted to marry this man. And she was like, and I had to, like, and I didn't know that he was going to be converted because I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of times we talk about, you know, like, these stories of, like, Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And, you know, like, oh, we think he, like... In the back of his mind, Abraham knew, like, the angel was going to come and save him. Like, he didn't know. And neither did this woman. Like, she didn't know if her husband was going to end up converting. And so she had reconciled that with God and felt that God had, like, 
like was approving of her marriage and deciding to marry him and like went along with it and a lot of people were commenting saying that like I wish that I had followed that advice because you know my first husband there were like four or five of these people that said my first husband was LDS returned missionary and was terribly abusive and now I'm married to a non-member and I'm like have a super happy marriage and I'm like so grateful for my second husband and I was like wow (laughs) maybe we should talk about finding like a strong companion that you can go with to the temple as opposed to finding someone that's just like going to the temples our only goal regardless of how we feel about each other right that was really long-winded I apologize no that's totally fine um I was just talking to my cousin over the weekend she's much younger than me and by um, much younger do you mean like 12 she's like 18 <laughs> okay. 18 or 19 I think 18 or 19 okay she's kind of starting to put her mission papers together okay. but she's like still like not sure if she's gonna go or not yeah she has a lot of questions and um, and that's okay I don't yeah. know if she's listening but I was in the same place so I feel right. you <laughs> I feel you girl um <laughs> I don't I was like oh like now looking back on it I'm just so grateful I got to go home this last weekend and talk to her um she is dating a boy who um got baptized he wasn't a member he got baptized and but his family they're all like very devout Catholics mm-hmm. um and they have told him that they will like disown him if he goes on a mission type of thing oh, how sad and so she's like well he's not really sure what to do and like I'm not sure and she's like you know my parents are like you know you have to marry a return missionary and type mm-hmm. of thing and I like she just looked so like distraught sad and just confused and like not sure what to do and it like kind of broke my heart um but I like very like emphatically told her I was like a mission like marrying a return missionary doesn't guarantee anything I think we need to realize that nothing guarantees a happy marriage oh like getting in the temple does not mean that your marriage is going to be successful it just doesn't like I don't know (laughs) so carry on (laughs) exactly and I told her I was like one thing that I learned on my mission was that like a, a guy who has completed a mission like checked the box um does like there's there's so much more than that it doesn't mean he was it it doesn't mean that he was a good missionary it doesn't mean that he's dedicated to the church it doesn't mean he has a strong testimony it means that he didn't screw up enough in two years to like be sent home yeah and I was like it's way more important like the quality of the testimony of the guy rather than like if he went on a mission or not I'm like yeah I would much rather marry somebody who is like fully dedicated to the Lord and like is grounded in that way and who will you know serve for his life but who who hasn't gone on a mission than somebody who's like apathetic and um you know will just go along with like what everybody like says you know yeah yeah I was like not all return missionaries are created equal no and there are some guys who haven't served missions who are stellar right members of the church and I think a lot of times like a lot of people go out serving missions because they're dedicated to the Lord so I have to acknowledge that like sometimes it is a good indicator yeah but I feel like that stems from something much deeper than like then yeah it's like going rather than like the motivation for going on a mission maybe that's like 
the defining factor? Right. Like, did you go because it was expected of you or did you go because like you knew it was true or did you go because you were like wanting to find out if it was true? Because, you know, my mom was in the MTC when she really like, like she knew she was supposed to go on a mission, but she was in there and she's like, okay, like it's true and I know what I'm talking about. And she was like in the mission before she got to that point. And I think that's okay too. Right. But yeah, so maybe motivation, motivations, like placement of the heart, like where's your heart right. in and this I, endeavor? Like, I also knew guys, elders on my mission who, um, who went because they were supposed to go like um I had one elder like friend of mine who literally like put his papers in because like all his friends were getting their calls and he's like I wonder where I'll go yeah type of thing I was tempted to do that (laughs) I've like always wondered where the Lord would call me to serve a mission even though I know I'm not supposed to serve a mission right now um and like these guys who were like not super into church as teenagers like really stepped it up in the mission and they like became which is converted. awesome like the and, mission like, can be a transformative right, experience and they became like these amazing like amazing guys and amazing like servants i'm not gonna say priesthood holders because it doesn't effing matter <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was like a fist raise in the air for all those outside the studio right um but that's what like i told him like if he if he knows the church is true if he's like you know dedicated like then if he cares about if he loves you then like that's more important than like Mm -hmm. being gone for two years also better to preserve his relationship with his family but I mean that's that's not saying like he shouldn't go or he shouldn't make that sacrifice but he needs to like pray about it and like if he's not supposed to go it doesn't mean that like yeah he's a bad person and I think we need to realize that like a lot of people would be like oh he should just like serve a mission no question but I was like if you like stopped and thought about it Like, your family would no longer count you as one of their own if you decided to do this. Like, it's not an easy decision. And what do we proclaim is the most important thing in this church? Family. It's it's not missionary work. Missionary work is important. I'm not discounting that. But family is central to the creator's plan. So I, like, I don't know what he's supposed to do. He may serve a mission. He may not. But I think we need to realize that, like, these decisions, like, going on a mission is, like, a big decision whether you're a male or a female. So, right. Um, which, yeah, it kind of pulls us into this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Re- the Relief Society president's daughter, um, she's 18, and I think her boyfriend's probably the same age because mm-hmm. um, he was supposed to go on a mission, but they wanted to get married instead. Yeah. And they were going to get married in the temple, but in their pre-endowment like interview, um, they confessed that they like had done some of the things they hadn't had sex but like you know it didn't it didn't like specify it didn't in the specify, novel we don't know but like things just below sex yeah. that like the bishop you know under his mm-hmm. discretion told them that they would they would have to wait three months before yeah. going to the temple and like not touch touch each other yeah um i have a lot of opinions on like chastity and like non sex things then would you like to tell us oh, about them sure this is a safe space <laughs> well, out there I'm, on the internet for forever <laughs> oh my gosh um well i'm not gonna say like what i think the line is i think or, there's like, danger in right, defining a line right mm-hmm. and i'm not gonna say like what acts i think are okay and what aren't okay um that being said i don't think that um that like purity or chastity at like this level is like you know like the end of the world type of thing um and I mean it's also good in a relationship to kind of figure out your chemistry Mm -hmm. your sexual chemistry 
because that's yeah. like such a big part of your relationship totally agree. and if you like completely keep your hands off of each other and then like you could get married and like not have it you know what I mean yeah and um yeah again I'm not gonna say like what I think a line is but I think that I don't know punishing people for being like affectionate you know yeah, I think there's maybe like have them not take the sacrament for a couple of weeks or something. I don't. I mean, like I don't, I'm not a priesthood holder. I'm not like the bishop, so I can't say. Yeah, but, like it just seems a little extreme to me. Um, I guess the thing that I guess the thing that like uh, doesn't necessarily bother me, but it's like. Um, in church disciplinary actions, it varies. Like the same offense yes. won't garner the same punishment. And I, I had a religion professor who told us a story about um, two good friends of hers who were both brought up to um, church disciplinary courts. And for the same thing, um, one was excommunicated and the other was disfellowshipped. And she actually confronted the state president. She ran into him at a grocery store and was like, I know this, like, isn't my place to pry, but why did you do that? Like, he is so distraught over this. Like, and the state president was like, it was an extremely difficult decision. But um, using my, like, position as a judge in Israel, I felt that excommunication was what he needed in order to, like, come back to full fellowship in the church. Whereas that other person needed disfellowship for some other reason. So I understand that. It's a little still murky for me. Um, that, like, it's kind of up to the individual bishop to decide, like, whether or not you're allowed to take the sacrament or enter the temple. But yeah. I can I can see why they do it. That being said, I think we need to realize that <laughs> as a Mormon culture, like, we as humans are sexual beings. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And my marriage prep teacher, this will probably sound blasphemous to a lot of non-Mormons and maybe even to some Mormons. But she's like, if we truly believe that we were created in the image of God and we are sexual beings, then God is a sexual being. So leave that as it, you know, leave that be. Um, and so this is where the For Strength of Youth pamphlet kind of bothers me when it says, do not do anything that arouses sexual feelings. That's ridiculous. And I was it's, like, it's impossible. And I was like, we have sexual feelings though. And they arise in lots of different scenarios. I agree that watching porn is something that you shouldn't do. I don't believe that you should have sex before marriage. But I do believe that you should be feeling some sort of sexual attraction to a partner in a committed relationship. You And like, even just like not even a committed relationship, you should have a sexual, like, if you're asexual, I understand that people who are asexual exist, and that is fine too. But it was like, you should be like feeling some sort of sexual urges in regards <laughs> to like people that you're attracted to. And so, like, to say that we're not supposed to do anything that arouses sexual feelings, and, and then all of a sudden, after like 30 minutes in a sealing ceremony, everything's allowed. I'm just like, we, like, psychologically, as humans, not necessarily as Mormons, we can't process that. Like, mm-hmm. we cannot process that change. Like, it's impossible. We can't do that. You need, and I'm not saying you need to like toe all the way up to the line and almost have sex so you're like prepped for your wedding night, but you need to like, you need to understand that you have sexual urges urges and exercise them in an appropriate way. Is that, does I, that no, make sense? I, I agree. <laughs> and I agree with you that the wording on the, the strength of youth um, pamphlet is really um, problematic and and i get what they're trying to say i really do right but because there's i mean when you're a teenager when you're a young adult even when you're a single like like you know middle-aged adult or whatever you're going to have like sexual feelings like there's no there's no or you're going to be aroused yeah and like saying that like you should never have those feelings creates except within marriage you know what i mean yeah 
And so, yeah. I'm, okay, um, there's going to be a lot of things I'm going to link to on our blog, but there's an article written by a, um, a sex therapist in Chicago. I think I've read it. Yes. Okay, anyway, there was this huge um, symposium kind of at a New York stake for mid middle-aged singles like Uh 30 and up and they invited her to be kind of like one of the keynote speakers and she addressed um how we talk about chastity and purity and sexual intimacy Mm -hmm. in like these kind of older age ranges and um she mentioned a boy who would not like wash his like would not wash his penis like because that would like that he was not supposed to do anything that aroused sexual feelings and I was like this is like yeah. this is how far that we have like and I don't believe that most I don't think most Mormons are that conservative but they exist and that's sad I was like who who thinks that like having a penis like and needing to like oh, I'm sorry I'm saying penis quite a lot <laughs> like I just like couldn't believe that I was like it's one of my favorite words Madeline I don't think worry it's hilarious about it. but I was like it exists like it is attached to your body <laughs> like clean it (laughs) it's okay and so it's like that's what I think like people it is okay that you have sexual bodies like your bodies are beautiful and God made them that way it's okay to appreciate the beauty of another person's body don't objectify them but you can appreciate it there's a difference so I'm all about the female gaze (laughs) really though yeah like I think we talked about this like one on the Kinsey scale like oh oh, and the female body yes Sorry, did I misinterpret that? Oh, yeah, that's like how, um, like, hetero or homosexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm definitely a one. But, yeah, everybody's always talking about how, like, women shouldn't wear yoga pants. Well, boys, please don't wear tight suit pants because it's making me think some very unladylike thoughts about you. (laughs) Just kidding. Please continue to wear tight suit pants. It does things to me. (laughs) A nicely tailored suit. Holy hell. Just, like, ooh, so slim fitted. I just, I dig that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ooh, so good. Um, or, you know, layers of flannel. (laughs) With, like, a beanie. (laughs) No, no beanie. I I dig the beanie look if you can pull it off, so. Um, yeah. But if you can't, it looks terrible. Please don't do it. I'm always done with facial hair, which which makes Except for the creepy mustaches that people at BYU use. I think that's ridiculous. Oh, but I love Connor's mustache. He pulls it off really well. Your no, I, I agree that, like, some people can pull off the mustache, like, perfectly well. Uh-huh. But I think also a lot of other people grow oh, mustaches yes. just because, like, it's the only kind of facial hair allowed at BYU. Which is so much worse than a beard. I know. No, I Like, yeah. if you can pull it off, please rock that stash. Like, bring back that, like, classy A facial hair from the 1920s. Like yes! <laughs> no, I love him so much. But, yeah, I... It's hard because men look so effeminate at BYU. I am. Yeah. And stay which is fine. And, which is fine. Which is fine. But I've had to tell a friend of mine. I'm not going to say his name. But I had to tell him, like, stop shaving your chest. Like, at pool parties for the summer. I'm like, please, please, just, like, let it grow. Let it be. Please. I'm like, it just... You know, it's not a bad thing. Like, yeah. I don't need you looking like a 12-year-old boy. Have I told you about my stance on chest hair before? No. Okay. I think I might have mentioned this on this podcast. I'm not sure. I'll repeat it anyway because that's what I do with stories. But I did not realize that men grew hair on their chest until I was older because my dad has none. Like, he grew his beard is, like, kind of patchy and he gets, like, a 5 o'clock shadow. But uh-huh. he has nothing on his chest. And so I remember I went to a pool party with a bunch of cousins and, like, all of my uncles were swimming. And I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> there was a 
hand on their chest. Like, what? Like, what is happening right now? So, funny story. I, so, I'm okay with no chest hair on guys, but waxing it is, like, a little... Or shaving. Yeah. yeah no. Although, I have a cousin who has, like, crazy amounts of chest hair that he, like, has to shave it or else he gets clawed in his clothing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm exaggerating, but, like, I was out, I was out with my cousin, um... And she, like, we were, we walked past a salon where they had, like, waxing prices on there. She, like, stopped to take a picture. She's like, oh, this is for my husband. <laughs> Which is cool. Guys, like, do whatever you want with your bodies. That's but, like, amazing. I just thought it was funny. Um, yeah. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, about shaving. And, oh, you said, like, hair getting caught in clothes. This is really gross, but I'm going to share it anyway. <laughs> um, so. That's my favorite way to preface a sentence. <laughs> Carry on. So recently, oh, Megan hates it when we laugh too much. We're not that funny, guys. You don't think we're that funny. I think I'm hilarious. Okay. It's a terrible vice. It really is, though. Well, I'm not that funny. Anyway, um, I recently didn't shave my legs for, like, over two weeks, which I think had been, like, the longest I'd gone since, like, it may have been even pushing three. Respect. Um, <laughs> thanks. And, um... I don't think I'd ever gone that long, like, not shaving my legs since, like, before I, like, started shaving yeah. my legs. And it got, I mean, I want to, like, be the person, like, I want to be the girl who's like, whatever, body hair, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I like, wish I could be that person, but I'm I not know, that person. especially, like, on my mission, like, even, like, the classiest girls, like, didn't shave their legs, you know? Yeah. Like, so you'd, like, be at church, like, oh, huh. It's just, it's culturally. Yeah, exactly. So. And, and like, I, like, I think. I wish. Yeah. But um, it got so uncomfortable having, like that hairy of legs yeah and so when i like finally shaved i'm like this is like glorious <laughs> this is glorious and i'm never doing that to myself again <laughs> because you know shaved legs there's like a oh, really good feeling it's magical clean sheets and shaved legs they make your legs feel like dolphins <laughs> stop it it's so true though um, yeah just like snort i'm good yes i'm good um, uh, i've definitely been there though like respect yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm all about body hair on men. All about it. As long as it's controlled. It might be because of my, um, like, fascination with the beast when I was <laughs> younger. You've, like, ingrained this thing into your psyche where you're, like, I'm attracted to men who are, like, part lion, part, like, ram, oh, <laughs> whatever, uh, part bear. I, yeah, I can't even talk about that. Oh, it's all about that library, though. That library... Um, my Disney Prince crush was Prince Eric. Okay, that's pretty. Yeah, just like the dark hair and the light eyes, and like that thing where he like leaps into the rowboat. He's like, I lost her once. I'm not going to lose her again. And I was like, yes, together forever. He's, he's Ashley's favorite, too. Oh, I, I just, I love the Little Mermaid. Yeah. I, I think she's great. <laughs> she, she is, she's pretty good, but not as good as Belle. I agree. Belle is like the person that I identify. Belle and, okay, actually. That was the person I identified closely with, like, personality-wise. But over my on my study abroad, we were, like, doing this exercise where, like, talked about which Disney princess we look like and then which Disney princess we acted like. And everybody said I look like Snow White. But then everybody said that I acted like Merida. And I took that as, like, a total compliment. I've never seen that. It's actually really good. It's not – it's not – it definitely didn't turn out how I expected, but it was really good. Okay. So. I'm, I'm trusting you. Yeah. All right. So, back to the book. Yeah. Mormon Weddings – Wow, we, like, talked about a lot of things. Yeah. Um. Okay, go to page 13. Okay. 
Um, so this is like when, so they're preparing for this wedding in the cultural hall. They're setting up a gazebo, which like made me want to kill myself because <laughs> the whole like Mormon weddings and the receiving lines, like I just can't handle it. Um, anyway, so the bride who's getting married, her mother comes in, the Relief Society president, and she's like crying to Linda, our main character, about how sad she is that her daughter isn't get, getting married in the temple. And I like think that sadness is justified. Like, yes, but, um, I just like the part that I laughed at is on... Um, I'm trying to, we're sharing one book today, so let's see. Okay. So she says, I just never thought that Perdita, who is her daughter, would be married like this. It feels so wrong. It should be at the temple. I talked to her all those years about being married in the temple. A white dress, a white tuxedo, and pictures at the temple to put on her walls forever. Because that's what matters. And now this. Because that's what matters. And I was like, here's the thing. I realized that in, um... I realized this when I was when I was younger. I had a really hard time understanding like why boys were pushed to missions and girls were pushed to marriage. I told my mom, I was like, "Isn't the real point of it just like trying to get to the temple? Like regardless of how you get there, mm-hmm. like whether it's for a mission or for a marriage, like it's like men and women aren't prescribed to get to the temple a certain way. We're just like all trying to get there at one point, you know. And so this idea of like talking only to your daughters about getting married in the temple is so dangerous. Like you need to talk to your sons about this as well because a marriage takes two. Um, I don't really, I can't opinion on that. Or I can't opine <laughs> on that. Yeah. <laughs> just because I don't have brothers, so mm. there was no like gendering of teaching. Cause yeah. Of girls. And it's like, and I, I have a younger brother, and I feel like my parents have done a really good job about teaching us the blessings of the temple. I'm talking more along my lines of like seminary oh, teachers and, and like, young, young women. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's just been like really difficult for me because it well, didn't allow me to pursue the, the idea of going on a mission. And it, and I think it made the mission more important for men than it is. And I think, I think marriage is more important than a mission. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. So, but marriage isn't the end all be all. No, it's not. But, um, what was I going to say? Oh, have we talked about this before? Like, I mean, just like how marriage is taught to like girls and young women's. Did you ever do a marriage time capsule? Yeah. Or like I didn't do it, but um, all of my friends did because I I skipped a grade, so all of my friends like were in, and I but I didn't skip a grade in church, so like I was in my maiden, and all my friends were laurels, and they did that. And I actually had a friend who got like chewed out because she had cut out a picture of a wedding dress without that was strapless, and she liked it because it had pockets, and that's why she put it in there. Oh my and they gosh. got mad at her for it. At least that's what I heard. I wasn't there, but because modesty, guys. <laughs> And modesty is important. We've talked about this before, but really? Yeah. No, but I don't think that, like, in general, young men's leaders are like, boys, like, let's write letters to your future wife. And That's the thing. I was like, I'm going to be too busy banging my husband <laughs> to get out and read this letter I wrote to you when I was 12. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump your bones, and then maybe we can talk about how I feel about you. <laughs> like, I have my wedding plan. I have, like, my wedding night planned. <laughs> Sorry, if I like ever show this to my future spouse, I really apologize. Maybe mm, no, I'm not gonna apologize. Sex is fun. At least it should be. I think. Still haven't had it. I'm a virgin. I'm rambling. <laughs> Just like. Oh, I love you so much. Um. No, I was like thinking because um, one of my mom's best friends was my young woman leader when we wrote the letters to mm-hmm. our future husbands, and I was in like such a like a dark place in this. <laughs> Phase of my young womanhood, <laughs> I really think my letter's like, yeah, I hope I get through my shit before I get married. <laughs> it's like, hopefully I'm done with therapy by the time you give me a ring. I 
have like um, I have zero recollection of what it says other than I was like, well, I'm in trouble right now. Like, <laughs> like literally, like my parents and I like were, you know, on the was, outs. <laughs> yeah, I was in trouble for something. I can't even remember specifically what I did that time. <laughs> you're the but, cursed second child, like. No, I'm, oh, you're the no, oldest. I'm the oldest. But I made enough mistakes for both me and Megan. Don't so. worry. Oh, I yeah. like. Why did I think you were the second? I feel so like bonding now that we're both the oldest. Yeah. That really speaks to me. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so like, it'll probably be really scary. Mm-hmm. I probably won't give it to him. <laughs> I I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I ever wrote like a letter. I've like heard about it, like lots of other people did. But I know I've like written, like I've written several lists about what I want my future spouse to be like. Oh goodness! And I remember we run around the room and it's like, I want him to be able to play like three different musical instruments. I want him to be blonde and have blue eyes. And I was like, I want him to be funny. And have good hair. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to concede on the good hair part. <laughs> so <laughs> I just want you to be funny. <laughs> so. No, that's really, yeah. I don't think I ever made a list like that. I have one actually in my scriptures because we had a lesson where it's like talking about spiritual traits. Like what you want your in your future spouse as a person. Not as what they look like. And then talking about, she like had us write out these traits. It's like, okay, now make sure that list is about you before you go and get married. And I was like, that's a great way to think about it. So. I keep that list in there for myself for, like, yeah. if I've, this is how I want to get married, then this is who I need to be. Right. I've never had a list like that. I mean, like, my type. I don't really have a type. Oh, I definitely do. Oh, <laughs> I don't. Um, at all, really. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, the people I've been attracted to. And usually it's, like, maybe, like, my I just, I just don't have a physical type, mm-hmm. but I have, like, a personality type. Yeah. That, like, and I, I do too. So. So like, if if he has like these certain like personality traits, yeah, it really doesn't matter what he looks like because I'm into it. <laughs> if any of you guys look like David Tennant or Dr. Spencer Reed from Criminal Minds, just come my way. Cool. And then, but I also have personality, so your personality also better be on par. <laughs> but you, you can look like whatever. <laughs> I have a type, but I'm I'm okay. Like I'll I'll date outside the type if oh, I ever get. To, I guess it's, like the only thing is like height really oh i could care less but, i'm really short so everybody's oh. gonna be taller than me actually um, there was a guy on tinder who was shorter than me yesterday i'm five two he's five one i was like respect i thought i could never like be like with somebody who um like isn't significantly taller than me because mm-hmm. you like you know w- whatever like girls like feeling small comparatively but um it's recently, good to be the little spoon yeah. <laughs> i mean recently like the uh, most recent person that I was like seeing slash dating or whatever it was only like a couple inches taller than me, hmm. like five nine, and like a little you know like thinner than me, and it was fine. It was fine. Cool. You know. Yeah. We yeah we got along. I've definitely weighed more than some of the guys <laughs> I've dated. I'm uh, just like I'm a you know I got meat on my bones. It's all good. Whatever, Madeline. <laughs> no, really though. Um, my I had my brother pick me up yesterday. Or he's. It's like 120 pounds, and he and he was like, "I'm gonna try and lift you up." And he's like, "Oh, you're so heavy." And I was like, "I'm like 150. It's not that big of a deal." And he's like, "I'm so strong." That's why I like I love Mindy. Anytime like anybody says anything about her weight, she's like, "I'm light as a feather." She's like, "I am not fat. I fluctuate between chubby and curvy." And I was like, "I meant to that." That's that's great. But there was one guy I was seeing who was like six four and like broad not like fat no broad broad. like wide yes and like comfortable Mm -hmm. like not like he was muscular but not like um 
like rock hard abs yeah actually i'm not really attracted to that i need to be like comfy i need know? like i i'm like more like beanpole kids <laughs> like really lean and lanky <laughs> which everybody thinks is re- it's weird but but yeah it's yeah but like andy dwyer in his like sort of kay. yeah yeah and I love I was chubby Andy. Super, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like super physically attracted to him. Yeah. And actually not at all. <laughs> not at all. And sometimes that happens. Yeah. Um, not good marriage material, but you know no, what? No. It's for other stuff. The cuddling is excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten really autobiographical in this episode. Like you guys know way more about our lives than I would like ever tell you if you were sitting in front of me so that's oh, cool man. um yeah <laughs> so um sorry guys dead air this is excellent i know okay maybe we could talk about like their worry about them not being binded in the afterlife oh i thought that was irrelevant yeah i mean people could you know like oh if they don't get sealed right the second blah 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 but yeah, you know, work for the dead. We God is a loving father. Like right, I don't think he's merciful. gonna separate you. I mean, like not to say that like you shouldn't get married in the temple if you have the ability to do so. Right. Oh, there was one part I really liked that like the main character said. Um, and of course, it's gonna take me a second to find it. But um, dating rules, blah blah blah. People judging. Um. Oh, she's like, Perdita and Jonathan may end up being one of the mo- the best, most moral couples we have ever seen. Deeply in love and devoted to the church. How do you know they won't? And then the real slayer president was like, but this is a bad beginning. This is such a bad beginning. And Linda goes, it's not a bad beginning. It's just not the beginning you imagined. But of course, Mormons have to have absurdly high standards, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, and then it talks about the word of wisdom thing. But I think we talked about that mm-hmm. enough. We don't need yeah. to like, go over it. Um to say like what if they leave the church either of the oh people leave the church who marry in the temple too it's not a guarantee Mm -hmm. oh this is what i really liked and the ceiling is broken as soon as they disobey their covenants anyway so um like temple marriages while they're the ideal they don't guarantee anything Mm -mm. and they can be invalidated by a number of things yeah so no totally agree yeah so I think the concern that this mother had of, like, people judging is very valid. Yes, most definitely. And the main character, like, talked about, like, remembering when she lost her daughter and, like, the judgment she mm-hmm. got from that. Yeah. How, like, she didn't go to the right doctor. Like, didn't This was a miscarriage. She didn't, like, lose her in the supermarket. Oh. <laughs> I lost him. Yeah. No. Um, but, yeah, people in the church are pretty judgy. Which is sad. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's way better to, it's way better to, like, do what you feel is right, is right than, like, what other people expect of you. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you can kill yourself, like, li- like, just trying to live by other people's expectations of you or their perception of you. Mm-hmm. That has shot me in the foot, like, a million times. My parents told me all the time that perception is reality and that drives me crazy. What? Mm-hmm. What? No. Yeah, it was because I was, um with this guy in high school and my mom was like you know what even though you guys like aren't like kissing and holding hands and stuff people will think you are and so like you might as well be kind of thing what and um she was worried that I was like 
losing out on other options like boys are very territorial and so like because they think that you guys are like totally exclusive nobody else will ask you out and just like all of this like terror it was i am not a prize to be uh, really though because this boy um this boy went and asked this guy that i was with like if he could take me to prom and this guy was like no i'm gonna ask her and i was like i didn't realize that that was a thing and my mom was like mad at me for it that this had happened and i was like your fault so because i wasn't being clear enough about what was happening on the uh, i don't know it's just just don't judge people guys so it was just it was hard for me and i think that was where actually a lot of my nervousness and like dislike of physical intimacy came from was because i was afraid everybody was assuming that i was like going all the way even though we weren't like we were two good mormon kids we didn't go anywhere near where these guys are like where these guys are going you know like and it was just yeah i don't know sorry i'm rambling again it was really difficult no, for me it's she, just um, it perception is not does, reality she, she does a chunk which i think we can talk about about like the dating rules yeah um okay perdita who was 18 and her fiance jonathan had been steadily dating since they were 16 despite sherry's lectures the mormon church's rules on dating were clear no dating at all before 16 and no steady dating until after admission but apparently perdita always said she was going on group dates which she was and promised her mother that she and jonathan weren't going to have sex before they were married which they didn't um, Sherry thought that that meant they were going to wait until after Jonathan went on a mission, but Perdita and Jonathan had declared they were too much in love to wait for two years. Um, and then that's when it talks about, like, the things that they mm-hmm. did. But, um, these Mormon, like, dating rules, like, the not before 16 and then, like, not study dating until, like, after the mission or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't date a ton in high school, so it didn't really, like, apply. Mm-hmm. But um, my mom was always, like, we're raising, like, socially awkward, like, men who, oh, like, yeah. don't know how to, like, date a girl. No. You know? Or, like, be alone with a girl. No. Like, because, I, I was not allowed. they're told, like, they have to stay away from each other until yeah. after they get back from their mission. And then they're told to get married. And it's, like, they've never been one-on-one before, ever. I was not allowed to hang out with friends if it was an equal number of boys and girls. That's ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. It's so stupid. And this might change when I'm a mom, like, and I'm setting my own children out into the world to be seduced and fall in love. But, <laughs> I don't, yeah, and I got all of those lectures. And, you know, I probably shouldn't have been as, like, emotionally tied to this guy when I was in high school because it did hurt a lot and there were a lot of problems. But your first heartbreak is gonna hurt no matter what age you're at because it's the first Mm -hmm. like I I just like and I and like I understand that like prophets have said that it is 16 and so I will be the prophets but at the same time what changes between you being like 15 years and 364 days as opposed to being 16 years old like that's it's a guideline it's kind of arbitrary like it's there for a reason like the no r-rated movies thing but that's I don't know it's just Am I making myself clear? Probably not, but no, I, I see where you're. I see where you're going. Okay, yeah. I'm having a hard time expressing myself today. No, I think yeah, it's fine. Um, I think when you tell kids that they can't do something, it makes them want to do it even more, and it makes them like keep secrets from you. Yeah. So I think I'd rather be like open. You know what I mean? Like, I s- just tell me what you're doing, yeah. and then we can talk about it. You know? No, I saw like, this on. Feel like you can't 
don't feel like you can't tell me. Like, if you're 14 and you're like, oh, my gosh, I have a boyfriend or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. tell me about it and we'll, like, work, you know what I mean? Work through it too. Yeah. I saw this post on Tumblr and there's, like, a lot of inspirational things on Tumblr, but it's, like, don't punish kids for telling the truth because when you punish them for telling the truth, that's when they start to lie. I was, like, if you want your kids to be honest with you, and I'm, like, I'm not saying that, like, you need to be totally cool with whatever your kids are doing all the time, but, like, if you're, like, child comes up to you and like says like you know like I drank at a party last week like you know I tried alcohol and it's like okay let's talk about that why did you do it why do we not drink alcohol like I and like you know let them go to parties and like prove that they've taken this knowledge like I don't know just like let talk to them about their choices rather than automatically punishing them um, I'm like super good with the word of wisdom. I've never mostly cause yeah. I, mostly because I know that like I would really like those things. Both However, my parents have told me that. Um, yeah, I was like so, so afraid of my mother. <laughs> but, um, just like the thought of like coming home drunk or whatever. But oh no, here's what happened. Okay, so <laughs> there were a couple times where like I was so mad. You guys. <laughs> disclaimer I really love my mother we're really good friends (laughs) we we get along if something happens to her it wasn't me she's she's driving into Provo right now we're like going to the volleyball game tonight it's gonna be super fun I love my mom however in high school things were hard (laughs) and And I've I've agreed with you here so no worries no judgment here there were times where like I was so mad at her because I would get so punished for things that like I felt weren't that big of a deal um which, when you're ki- a kid, like, you don't think anything you do wrong. Although the old, being the oldest is hard. Because you're a guinea pig. Yeah. Yeah. Quinn gets away with stuff that I never, like, would never have flown. Oh, both I of was, my siblings. Yeah. Um, Georgia and Ethan, I'm talking to you. Right. And so, like, there are a couple munches. times, like, I think I, like, broke curfew once. And I was, like, literally had been, like, at the bishops, like, watching a movie, like, with his kids. And, like, stayed till, like, 12. Oh, oh and then we also, like, TP'd. <laughs> TP'd our Sunday school teacher's car. Carson McKay. <laughs> still friends on Facebook. You should tag him in when we post this on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, like, as we were TPing um, the McKay's car, um, I, like, my cell phone was, like, you know, blowing up. Because my mom was so mad. Before this night, like, I had never really, this is, like, the first time I went out and, like, took a car, like, after I was 16. Mm-hmm. And um, before this, like, I'd never really had, like, a firm curfew. Um, I had a curfew. It was 10.30. Oh. See, this was midnight. <laughs> and, but, like, I had, you know, slept over and, like, come home after midnight before, like, when it, like, seeing a late movie. Yeah. And so it, like, never occurred to me that, like, I would get in trouble for getting home at, like, 12.15 or 12.20. Yeah. Like, just because this was the first time I was, like, be home at 12. Mm-hmm. And I, like... You know, yeah. it didn't permeate, you know? Yeah. And so, like, I get home, and this was, like, the one of the biggest fights, like, oh. we've ever had. Like, Megan and I got in so much trouble. The the most legendary Karen Adams punishment, <laughs> like, ever was um in, like, amidst all, like, the yelling and the back talking. She took away our contact lenses. Oh. <gasps> She's like, contacts are, a pri- like, a privilege. They're not a right. Shut So you up. guys are going to wear your glasses. <laughs> uh-huh. Which is kind of genius because we never, I never broke curfew again. 
Oh my gosh. But, um, As a person who has negative eight and a half prescription oh, lenses, wow. like I like to do that would be like literally to render me useless. Well, I'm, yeah. I mean, so we were like having oh. our, like our glasses for however long. My mom was... just picked p- picked us up from school to come back and clean our rooms, oh. or like made us late for school because our rooms weren't clean. Oh. Because um, school was also a privilege. <laughs> another time I'll have to tell you about Quinn and her, like, not cleaning her room because it's so funny. I mean, now that I'm not, like, living at home, like, whenever yeah. I hear about Quinn getting in trouble, it cracks me up. I'm just upset that my mom let my sister stay out till 3 in the morning on prom night. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, Ugh. because she was in student council, and I was like, that, BS. <laughs> BS, um, Amy. Right. Anyway, like, so this time was, like, a pretty rough time with, with me and Karen. <laughs> the contact lenses. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm not a bad kid. Like, all I did was come home, like, 15 minutes late. I was with Mormon kids. We weren't doing anything bad. Like, why am I in trouble? Like, on and on. Yeah. Like, like, you're punishing me. Like, I came home drunk or, like, with a boy. Se- or, like, had sex or, like, you know, was high or whatever. And I'm like, um, I was like, just so upset. And I like, thought her reaction was so out of proportion. And, like, the punishment did not fit the crime. <laughs> And so, like... 20 years for a loaf of bread kind of thing. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) My mom is a Javert punishment. That is a terrible, (laughs) terrible compliment. I'm going to use that so much now. Oh, mom, I love you. um, So, like, the next time I, like, went to a party at um, Latin America, which is where, like, our you know our friends hung out no you actually went to latin america yeah (laughs) the apartment was called latin america and so the next party i went to latin america i was like determined i was like my mom thinks she's like has a bad kid she's gonna get a bad kid you know like i'm gonna show her what being a bad kid really is if she thinks she has one (laughs) so i was like i'm gonna get effed up tonight you know and like um i like went and i like poured myself a drink and i was like Oh, <laughs> dang it. You know, like the little spirit whispering, like, yeah. don't do it. And I was like, I really want to. Like, and it wasn't because I wanted to drink. It, it was, was just, like literally because I wanted to like prove to my mom. You were just good spiting yeah. her. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But um, my fear of God was stronger than my, the fear of my mother. As it night. should be. Yes. <laughs> Although the wrath of God and the wrath of an angry mother are like, pretty Pretty on par (laughs) like if my mom was sitting in the heavens as the israelites were wandering in the desert she would have been like no manna for you (laughs) oh i'm going to hell um so anyway i didn't drink that night um and my mom still doesn't like know how she doesn't listen to this right no i don't think so i don't think she knows how how podcasts work what is the podcast what is the the radio she's she's like recently like on instagram i guess i know because she shows up on my like suggested people i should follow her trip to italy and france looked great (laughs) oh my mom so anyway like that was again the type of thing where i was like mom like you don't understand like I'm on the honor roll. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm ditch. on the freaking dean's list, man. <laughs> I may ditch class, but like, and not do my homework, but I'm still on the honor roll. Yeah, yeah. That's but, what, it, actually funny, this actually happened to me too. Like, my mom was about to come and yell at me for staying up late. This was like 
you know, 1130 midnight on a school night and I was reading my scriptures uh-huh. <laughs> and my dad was like, Amy, come back to bed. Like, are you gonna really going to go yell at her for doing something good? Like she could be out doing something way worse. She's in her bedroom reading her scriptures. <laughs> and so my mom tells that story all the time. So she went, she went back to bed and get mad at me. So parents, it could be a lot worse. Oh, I would like use that as an excuse to like stay up reading something else if I knew that like that wouldn't get me in trouble that's like when I would do like the tv thing where you hide your book behind the book <laughs> <laughs> like totally reading the book of Mormon and it's like yeah you know, although that Princess did Diaries that's actually like, why I think my eyesight might be so bad is because I read under the cover so often as a child <laughs> so I had, I, a, I had a pretty good system up like up through middle school like pre-seminary years um I would, like, set my alarm for, like, 6 o'clock in the morning and, like, get up and just read. I did the same thing. Yeah. Because, and now I'm, like, killing for, like, sleep time. Yes. I'm like, what did I do? I heard this thing on Tumblr again that's, like, funny how when we were children we hated naps and spanking, but now we like both. <laughs> Not that uh, I've ever been spanked, exactly. but <laughs> I don't know. I love napping. Maybe I'll just... Nice, extrapolate nice, to the rest. A nice tap on the bum is, is all right. A love tap. That's a, that's a what we call tap. them in our family. Yeah, not, too, not too hard. Although my mom gets mad at my dad when he does that. Um, so, I'm like really terrible. Like I'm a butt slapper. <laughs> Respect. Yeah, butts and, are cool. Yeah, and like with my friends and stuff. Um, you know, good game, whatever. It's a game, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so. Actually, I had an experience like at um, Relief, Soci- Relief Society a couple months ago. There was a girl who was like, you know, shimming in front of us, like mm-hmm. in the row, and I almost like <laughs> smacked her butt. And I was like, I don't know this girl. What did I almost do? <laughs> Sexual assault. <laughs> Enthusiastic consent. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't do it. But like the reflex um, of there, like I, before, yeah, I'm glad I stopped myself. All right. Anyway, so now back to the book. Yes. Um, oh, there's a bit of, like, characterization in the past that we might want to know about Linda or, like, tell our listeners for future, um, for the future, for future, guys. For just future. (laughs) Right. Um, so Linda is thinking about this girl who's getting married. So she goes, I glanced at Sherry, who's the Relief Society president, who looked away. I was more and more impressed with Perdita and her good sense. She might be just out of high school, but she knew who she wanted and she knew how to survive. That was more than I could say of myself at that age. I had been a disaster and had spent six years figuring out how to move on with my life. So we're not sure. Yeah, what's the disaster? What what did she go through? Um, and, And what was, you know the circumstances we don't mm-hmm. know but i'm pretty sure we'll find out because yeah. this is good writing guys unlike skeleton in my closet where the author like literally told us everything mm. and didn't leave any room anything to the imagination any, nothing to the imagination um this is really cool like glimpse of like maybe mm-hmm. a backstory but foreshadowing we're not, foreshadowing we're not getting it all the way a good another piece of characterization about linda is that we find out that she also didn't get married in the temple Mm-hmm. Um, right away. She married her husband civilly. And does it say why? It no. doesn't say why. No. So maybe we'll find out later. Mm-hmm. But they like got sealed like a year and a few days yeah. after they got married. Mm-hmm. And I think like we in the United States need to realize how lucky we are that we get to be sealed and married on the same day. Um, because the United States is, I think, 
one of the only if not the only country that views temple sealings as legitimate lawful marriages mm-hmm. every other country has to get married and then wait a year to go get sealed that's just how it works um i don't know if that's true because when i was in ecuador um what they would do because they had to get married civilly and then like mm-hmm. get sealed, they would just go to like the the courthouse oh and then go straight there and like they wouldn't spend the night together Mm -hmm. or anything so they were like legally married okay the day before they went to the temple but they like didn't act like it was just like getting a marriage license yeah even though they were like technically okay yeah because i think the big thing is like if you have sex you can't get sealed in the temple if you've like been married civilly so i don't know i don't don't know why that is i'm just letting it it be so don't really understand yeah. a lot of these policies things that don't have their root in doctrine is just interesting so yeah um <sighs> and oh there was a section about eve that was pretty cool oh and i love talking about eve can i just say that like i think she's really awesome so right oh there's a part where um linda talks about how she like wants to contribute more to society mm-hmm. now that like her kids are grown and um she like isn't doing much yeah um i had begun to wonder if i ought to be contributing to the world as more than a wife and a mother don't we all you know yeah. it's again like women are expected to gain their whole sense of satisfaction from being a wife and mother whereas fathers are not expected to do so in their roles roles a parent right um the person I was talking to you about earlier, um, <laughs> when we were not recording, yes. Okay. <laughs> so this person. I got you. Yeah. This person, like, really loves babies. Yeah. Like, super loves babies. Did I, maybe we talked about this last time. This is the person that we talked about last time. Yes. I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yes. And um, I was, like, thinking about that. And I was like, whoever he marries is going to be so lucky. Oh, yeah. He would be, like, the perfect, like, stay-at-home dad. Yeah. Like, no. I, yeah, whoever marries him, she could, like, if she makes more money, like, he, I'm sure he would stay at home with the kiddos all day yeah. long and be, like, totally fine. And it's, like, here's the thing. Like, some women love being stay-at-home moms. And, like, how cool is that for them? That they, like, don't have to work to support themselves. Like, they're lucky enough. Like, it's a luxury to be able to stay at home. And, like... That's awesome if you love it, but I don't think we should it's make... also not doctrine. No, it's not. I think we should, like, realize that... It's a that... convention from the 50s, yes. post-war. And I was like, here's the thing. We should realize that, like, if other women don't garner the same sense of satisfaction, it's okay. Right. Like, it is fine. Actually, I have a professor um, who is... She has a PhD. She's not married. Um, her name is Rachel Cope. She teaches in the, um, in the religion department. And she was talking about a friend of hers who was in graduate school at the same time, and she was married, and they were, like, just kind of starting their family. And anyway, she had talked to my professor saying, you know, like, now that we have kids at home, we're trying to decide, like, if I'm supposed to stay home or if, like, I need to continue to work. Um, and she is a uh, she has a PhD in, like, marriage and family therapy. Anyway, so she's like, we're going to go to conference and, like, think about this. And that conference is, like, all about the family. And so my professor was like, okay, she's obviously going to decide to, like, stay at home because that's where she needs to be. And actually, it turns out that, like, Heavenly Father told her that so few Mormon women were in the field of, like, family studies making a positive difference and, like, showing how important the family is that it was her responsibility to be in the workforce to tell people about that. And it was her husband's responsibility to take care of the kids. I was like, that was a divine revelation for her. And, like, people would tell her, like, I'm sure people told her that that was wrong. 
and she, it came from God. Like, how could it be wrong? Like that scripture from Doctrine and Covenant 6, it's like, I've, have I not spoken peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? Like, look at Madeline you know? spouting scripture I'm like just a serious. Boss. Like, it's just the case. Like, I don't know. Trust that pe- if we are really believers in divine revelation, then trust that people can get their own. So. Yeah, no. Word. Yeah. Preach. My job. Get out of that biatch. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Let's just stop judging each other. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, one thing I really liked from this chapter was she was talking about um, the Relief Society Book Club, which is why. <laughs> I wrote that scene. I wrote that down too. Which is why I stopped going to like my mama's book club after like one time. Yeah. Um, where was it? Um, oh, I attended the Relief Society monthly book club regularly, and we were frequently giving each other recommendations for books without bad language bad moral values or explicit sex <laughs> some books with explicit sex are like the best books <laughs> see my grandma was part of this bicentennial book club and uh-huh. it has 12 members and like the only way i'm pretty sure the only way you get into it is if you die <laughs> and she was in it with ann m dib who served in the general young women's presidency uh-huh. and is also president monson's daughter and they read fabulous books like i'm talking like margaret atwood like which i feel is like pretty racy for mormon audiences what are some other really good ones that she's read um i have like a huge crate of them at home but they read like everything like they read twilight when it came out because they were like reading stuff off the bestseller list and i was like this was a group of like women in their 70s like some of them were in their 70s and they were like reading everything and i was like that to me is what a book club is oh for like sure yeah it was fabulous like tolstoy and mark twain and they were reading amy tan and like all sorts of really Speaking cool stuff of mark twain just real quick have you heard um elder holland's speech like he gave like a forum about mark twain and religion no before he was an apostle mm. it is amazing we should, really we should, like, good. link all of our stuff. We'll link it in the blog. So. Yeah, it's super, super good. Um, Becky's texting me. I'm blown up. Okay. Anyways. um, Anyway. Anyways. No. Um, the grammar Nazis are oh, after you. Right. So, yeah, I think book clubs should be for broadening our perspective. Mm-hmm. Because if you only read things about, like, people and situations that reflect your own person and situation, you're never going to grow. You're never going to grow. Ever. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Which is why I love the hoes that read so much. Oh, I love that. I dig that. It's, yeah, it's so great. You have my full support. We're meeting on Saturday. We're talking about Why Not Me. <gasps> I want to read that so badly. Please do. Because I was going to go to Costco and buy it if I, like, didn't have it within the next few weeks. Oh, it's so. I've read a couple chapters already that when I was just standing in Costco waiting for Soup my mom snakes? to get done. Did you uh, read Snoop's Snoop No, I read the one about um, women and all the, like, different plot lines of TV shows uh-huh. that, like, new seasons. I thought that one was hilarious. Yeah. So. Um, I really like her take on um, her relationship with BJ Novak. <gasps> I read a little bit of that, and I thought it was yeah. really interesting. Um, I definitely have, like, male friends in my life who... Um, in some cases, I have, like, had, like, more than, like, friends mm-hmm. like, in the past, but, like, um, not currently. Yeah. And, like, it's still amazing, and it's, like, still yeah a really productive relationship and like, mm-hmm. friendship, even though there's, like, no, like, romantic side. Yeah. And so I really like that, the idea of, like, her, like, soup snake, you know? Like, the person who's always, like, there for her, and, um, like, she can, like, bounce ideas off of and they like talk and they like Mm -hmm. don't agree on everything and they like fight he like calls her dumb and she like calls him dumb like (laughs) stuff like that but they're like still friends and i love that i I love that idea i love 
that I do. Like, mm-hmm. I would consider um, my friend Tyler to be, like, one of my sweet snakes. And then I have, like, other, you know, a couple others, too. I need Tyler a sweet snake. Tyler and I have never been romantic. <laughs> we never will be. But, like, you know, Tyler's you know. at home, like, singing Taylor Swift into a hairbrush because you're, you well, protected him. <laughs> well, Tyler's always singing Taylor Swift into a hairbrush. Oh, my gosh. Tyler, can we be friends? <laughs> We were texting today about, um, like, these dates he's going to go on, and I'm, like, super frank with him. I'm like, you need to be open, dude, because these girls look great. He'll, like, send me their their names so I can, like, Facebook stalk them. Facebook stalking. That's what good friendship is all about. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, she looks like she's your type, though who knows what that is. <laughs> she's a woman. She breathes. She's your type. <laughs> yeah, so giving each other advice and stuff mm. it's all good yeah. I'm, I'm pro soup snakes you can find your soulmate you can get married to mm-hmm. your soulmate but you can still have but a sneak snake you can still have uh soup snakes of the opposite gender yeah yep uh, um i don't know if we have time for the next chapter yeah we're almost at an hour already so <laughs> it's kind of like making me nervous yes because we don't have a whole lot of time yeah so um like it's like to cover this book mm-hmm. before I go before yeah I disappear into the great abyss that is graduation <laughs> yeah um yes so we're gonna have to figure this out mm-hmm. we're gonna have to like we're working maybe, better on like planning things plan, out yeah mm-hmm. and kind of there's a lot to talk about and just pick a couple pop- pick, pick a couple of the best things. yeah mm-hmm. good better best this is a good thing to talk about yes it's a better thing to talk about mm-hmm. this is the best thing to talk about yeah so we're gonna like try and do that I think that's solid yes okay um Thanks for joining us, guys, on yeah. Thursday. Oh, does this chapter end with anything cool we need to talk about? Um, oh, I, I put page 20. So good. So maybe. Oh, so it's like the wedding. Her husband's mm-hmm. really sweet to her. Yeah. He good. seems like a good guy. Yeah. He, like, puts his arms around her. He tells her he loves her. All that fun stuff. Um. Oh, yes. This this is good writing, and this is not skeleton in the closet. Okay. I love how we keep making that differential because, because we okay, need to i because i thought about this like as i was reading because some of the things that she mentioned in this book i feel like are things that we would have made fun of in skeleton mm-hmm. um and i'm like why am i feeling like okay with her writing about things in this way in this book but i wasn't okay with it then and i'm like i have i have a double standard because i like know she's a feminist right kind of thing and i know that the other woman wasn't which is an authorial like intent which, which is a fallacy yeah like, you shouldn't really take it you into consideration when writing a novel. Um, Roland Barthes, Death of the Author. Yes. Yes. Death of the Otter. Author. Otter. Not the author. Death of the author. <laughs> not the baby otters. <laughs> birth of the reader. Um, so I was, like, thinking about that. I'm like, why am I okay when she talks about stereotypical Mormon things in this book? But I wasn't okay with it then. And I think it's because this book has a little bit more depth and more mm-hmm. perception. And I personally think she doesn't take herself too seriously. Right. So. Right. And or take Mormon culture too seriously. Right. Right. So, um, she and her husband are in, oh, she's helping, like, clean up the wedding reception that was in the cultural hall. And, oh, this is great writing. I stared at the place and thought how strange it was that we could repurpose the same room for so many different things. This cultural hall would see everything in the course of its life. Funeral luncheons, weddings, basketball games, monthly real society meetings, a road show or a steak pageant, music practices, Sunday school young men's and young women's activities, Boy Scout meetings, and the overflow from sacrament meetings and state conferences. In many ways, this hall was the most Mormon place of them all. Didn't that make it holy in its own way? Maybe more holy than the quiet white temple that was not part of our weekly worship? 
This hall was where God came if you believed in God. And I did. After all this time and all my doubts, I did. I really loved that. I thought it was a really interesting take on something that I had never thought was really significant to our Mormon way of life, but it really is. So, and I think it just, like, reminded me of Elder Christofferson's talk from last conference about the purpose of, like, religion and church and how, like, both of them go together. So, our Mormon culture is kind of crazy, but a lot of it stems from something that comes from good intent. And I've, you know, been one of those you know people who like looks with disdain on like cultural hall wedding receptions oh i am in that camp all the way right. but that like that so that was like an interesting perspective mm-hmm. for me like that that place can be like a sacred place yeah. it's like like it transforms mm-hmm. it's a living room yeah and oh i just love like good symbolism in writing mm-hmm. you know? most so, definitely and totally like, yeah. agree with you there i i think i won't ever like look at space the same you know no now that i look there i'm gonna i'm gonna see it so see it in that way (laughs) okay Okay. so we're gonna close like for real now now Mm -hmm. that we're like at an hour and a minute or something hey that's not too bad no not at all all right so yeah keep tuned for tuesday we're excited to carry on and hopefully move at a quicker pace yes and hopefully caitlin does all her homework this weekend (laughs) have a good weekend guys (laughs) bye